Elijah Bryant couldn't have foreseen his becoming an NBA champion at the beginning of May 2021. He was not even playing in the NBA. But three months later, Elijah Bryant has an NBA ring and a bunch of memories he'll never forget. Prior to being signed by the Milwaukee Bucks, Elijah Bryant spent two seasons playing professionally in Israel. Bryant went undrafted in the 2018 NBA draft out of BYU after averaging 18.2 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.3 assists per game in his junior season at BYU. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Jones, and I am honored to have Elijah Bryant on the line with me today. Elijah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, this is this is so exciting. I am a, a big NBA fan and watched the finals with excitement. And it was fun to, to cheer on not one, but two Latter-day Saints. So today, as we talk, I want to talk a little bit about the experience of getting picked up by the Bucks and, you know, your, your incredible ride with them at the end of this season. But before we get to that, you have had an, kind of an interesting upbringing as it relates to the church and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. From what I understand, you grew up around the church your whole life, but it wasn't until you were at BYU that you kind of really became committed to it. Is that right, Elijah? Yes. I mean, I think essentially we're all converts at some point in our lives. And I think that the biggest thing for me was to become fully committed to what I wanted in my life in terms of, you know, having a family in the temple, you know, that type of lifestyle. So I think that was one of the biggest decisions for me in choosing BYU. So when I was younger, um, you know, obviously I went to church. I did, I did all the stuff in church. I just, I was a kid, you know, I had, I had influences here and there, but I think like you said, quote unquote, I'm a convert to the church. I, I, I have strong family lineage to the church. It's just that, you know, being a young, young kid and how everyone, we're all converts to the church. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's an important thing to touch on. I'm curious, though, when when you you were playing at Elon College in North Carolina um, before you ended up at BYU, when you went to BYU, what was kind of the catalyst for deciding to, you know, make the gospel a more integral part of your life? I think for me, when I was doing all those visits, you know, I visited Miami, I visited Butler bunch of you know other bigger schools in terms of basketball i kind of had to really ask myself what do i want to get out of this experience or what do i want to get for my life you know at one point and sometime the ball is going to stop bouncing and i really wanted to excel not only on the court but in the classroom spiritually mentally physically all those aspects and i knew that if i chose byu i would be around you know, great examples, like-minded people, everyone trying to work towards ultimately a temple marriage and, and getting back to our Heavenly Father. And I think for me, it wasn't necessarily a basketball decision. It was more so a life decision. I think that's very wise. You you ended up at BYU and I watched a video though before you ever went to BYU. One of your teammates at Elon 
His wife, I believe, was talking about your dedication and your diligence when it came to basketball. And she talked about how you wore a mask in the gym to improve your conditioning. And first of all, I'm thinking you were ahead of the game on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, first of all, that was Zora Stevenson. She's actually the Milwaukee Bucks sideline reporter now. And I actually played with their husband, Kevin Blake. Oh, wow. His senior year, my freshman year. So it's kind of come all full circle. But to elaborate, I'm always trying to find an edge, whether it's nutrition, whether it's, you know, running around with the mask. I think that's just been my goal to play in the NBA one day. And I've, I've gotten here and I still have a lot of work to do. But I think finding an edge, not only on the basketball court, but in, in you know, your whatever your career is, whatever, you know, your gospel learning, I think it allows you to progress at a faster rate which allowed me to you know, be in the position I am now. That's so cool. And tell me a little bit after you graduated or after you left BYU, what was your experience like playing in Israel? And what was it like being a Latter-day Saint and living in what we consider to be the Holy Land? Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely nerve wracking. It was no longer, uh, wasn't, you know, it was, I had to bet on myself, right? I think I left school early. I know I had a family to take care of with my wife and uh, we kind of just trust in the Lord and know if we live by his commandments and do everything he tells us to do, then he'll provide. So that's kind of what I went off of. We landed in the southernmost part of Israel known as Elot. And I don't think it could have been a better spot for us to kind of tell you about it. It's basically like the Miami of Israel. Like that's where all the Israelis go for vacation. So it was perfect for us. I had met a bunch of lifelong friends on that team. I mean, there's no stoplights in the city. We lived in a little apartment. And I mean, you don't need much, you know, as a coming from college. And we were, I was getting paid to play basketball. So whether it was, you know, no money, 50,000, whatever it was, it was a lot more than I was making at, at BYU. So I felt extremely blessed. And then in terms of the church aspect of living there, I did the closest church was three hours away. But the stake president or bishop came and visited us when we first got there. So that was very welcoming. And then we just kind of zoomed in every single time we had to go to, to church. And there were no members around us. But I think the Jewish community is very similar to our members, just in terms of Shabbat and how family-oriented they are. And once you kind of you know get past their initial shell, then they're very welcoming. That's awesome. I am a little bit jealous because the Holy Land is like top of my bucket list. So in May of this year, you kind of started on this whirlwind. You went from playing your final game in Israel to signing a two-year $1.5 million deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. But it, and all of that happened over the course of nine days. What was that like for you, especially for somebody that that's been your dream is to make it to the NBA? What was it like to finally make it? I think it's still surreal at some points, but I also think I've done a lot of work to get to this point and a lot of like visualization of knowing I can play at this point and at this stage of my, my career. And obviously it happened really fast, but being a professional basketball player, it's kind of chaos all the times, all the time. So you kind of have to get used to the organized chaos and, and be comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know? So I think I give a lot of credit to my, my wife, Janelle, you know, she packed our house up in literally three days with our son 
getting COVID tests, like, and then we're on the flight, you know, to Chicago. So I think it was definitely a whirlwind, but I play basketball for a living. So it's a blessing the whole time. For sure. I, I want to know from, from your perspective, like, what is that whole experience like? Do you just get a phone call and they say, you know, we need you in Milwaukee on this date or what's that, that scenario like? Yeah. I mean, I think that I've been in contact with Milwaukee since I played summer league um, here with them. And I think the biggest thing is they're always in contact, you know, with my, with my agent. And it's kind of like a situation where, you know, do you want to make that leap to the NBA this year? And it's, it's always been a goal and you're going to have to sacrifice some things, but you know, once they make that phone call and I'm on board, they're on board, it's kind of, how am I going to get there? How am I going to get negotiate my contract, get on my contract? Because understandably the team I'm with, they're focused on winning too and winning championships. So it's not easy for them to let me go considering I'm a vital piece to winning a championship. So once everyone kind of gets on the same page and we agree on everything, then it's, you know, COVID tests straight to uh, Milwaukee and then quarantine, physicals, all that stuff and get to know the team, get the playbook on your iPad and it's kind of you're all fronted. Yeah. So having played in summer league with Milwaukee and I, from what I understand, when you were at BYU, there's a sports psychologist there, Dr. Craig Manning. He also works with the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you think that his knowing you had anything to do with you landing there? I mean, definitely if they asked him, they know. he He's definitely helped me get to where I am just from the mental side. So it definitely didn't hurt. I can say that. That's awesome. I think he is brilliant from the, the little bit that I've learned about him. I think he's awesome. You've talked about what you learned from your veteran teammates. So in the NBA playoffs, multiple times, your team was down 0-2 in the series. And you talked about how your teammates that have been in the league for a while weren't stressed or rattled by that. Talk to me about the experience of learning from players like Giannis and Chris Middleton. Yeah, I think it was very intriguing to me just to see the amount of pressure they're used to dealing with, you know, down 0-2 to Brooklyn and guys aren't phased at all. You know, they're focused on just win this next game at home. You know, you're still down 2-1 after that. They're focused on the moment, you know, and this is just a testament not only to Craig Manning's work, um, you know, with Giannis and all these guys, but the humility on the team to understand that it's okay to fail, you know, as long as you're continuing to focus on the moment and trying to get better each and every single time. And I think from game one to game two, we're focused on ways to get better. Maybe it didn't look better in terms of score, but if we can pick out the ways how we can get better, then we can obviously evolve into, you know, this championship team. But just the humility and their their mental approach to the game was like very impressive. Could you have ever imagined, Elijah, that from May to now you would go from being in Israel to winning an NBA championship? No, you can't make it up. We had we had a meeting, you know, my, my mom, my agent kind of decided like this is the year we're going to go for it considering I was going to be a free agent with no buyout overseas. And then within a month later, I'm on a plane headed to Milwaukee and it's there's sacrifices. Everyone thinks, oh, it was easy to get there. It was easy to get the championship. I just walked into it. Obviously, I didn't play as many minutes as I wanted to, but there's still sacrifices that were made to get to this point, not just this year. And not just me 
But, you know, from a childhood, from my mom, my wife, her family, my family, a lot of people made a lot of sacrifices. So this just isn't, you know, my championship. Yeah. So when you look at it, Elijah, when you look at it right now and you're like, okay, I won an NBA championship, didn't play as much as I would have liked to. What is kind of the game plan moving forward for you? I don't really focus on in terms of the contract, the money, all that stuff. I'm just trying to focus on getting better each and every single day in every aspect of my life. I think if I focus on the stuff like money or contract or where I'm going to be, and you become stressed, you become anxious because in the NBA, things are moving all the time, as you can see in free agency. So if I can just learn how to get better a little bit each and every single day, and that's kind of my model, you know, the one cent club, just like put a penny in each and every single day and then look what will happen at the end. So that's kind of my motto. That's kind of my focus right now. Um, it's not, it's, trust me, it's not, it's not easy. That's for sure. But you know, if you read your scriptures every single day, you'll get something out of it. For sure. So when we talk about Dr. Manning and his work at BYU, as well as his work with the Bucks, what are some of the biggest things that you feel like he has taught you? I think humility. Obviously I've been journaling ever since I've been working with them. So it's been six years since I've been working with them and just humility focusing on what you can control and the way you talk to yourself. I think we're a society that really talks really negative to ourselves. you know, so trying to really focus on talking positive to myself and, and instilling confidence um, into myself, but also understanding that I'm not perfect, you know, no one's perfect. And that's, that's why we're here. So being able to make mistakes and allow myself to really see those mistakes through and learn from them. Absolutely. Another thing that I loved as I was preparing for this interview, you said that your your coach taught you not to believe it when people say you're good and not to listen when they say you're bad. What does that mean for you and how does that translate into the way that you approach the game of basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm just like a sponge in the film. I'm just listening to everything. Everything's new to me. So when he said that, it kind of made sense. And I didn't really get it at first, but you see it. I mean, everyone has an opinion. It's not just like in college when your family has the opinion of, you know, you need to shoot more. You need to do this. Every person in the world has an opinion now and they can, they have the freedom to say it on your Instagram, your TikTok, your Twitter, they can say it. And most people like to say, Oh, I don't look at the comments or I don't see that. Well, these guys look at the comments. You can see it with Ben Simmons. They're responding to this stuff. So I think understanding that the media has an agenda and these people have an agenda and really Again, it's back to the whole humility or being humble. I love that. Another thing that I think is an example of the way that you have maintained humility and and a desire to be in the right headspace is you've talked about how you often listen to primary songs or conference talks pregame. Specifically, you said that you listen to I'm a Child of God. And then you said the conference talk uh, by Sister Becky Craven, Careful versus Casual, is a favorite for you. What is it about that talk that you think helps get you in the right mindset for a game? Well, I listen to, yeah, all that is true. I listen to I Am a Child of God before a game to kind of reset my focus and to calm my nerves in terms of understanding the bigger picture, understanding why I'm here. This game and the all big scheme of things doesn't matter. Am I going to go into the game? Am I going to act as a child of guy? Am I going to help the opposing team up? 
but with the with the talk careful versus casual i think it it goes back to the one cent club thing of just are we being careful or casual like are we looking for 15 minutes of of happiness and stuff like that and i think with the they talk about it in the church you know finding happiness this quick you know 10 minute happiness or finding everlasting joy and i think it kind of that talk specifically to me teaches that feeling when you you know you go and serve someone um, compared to when someone gives you a gives you a gift. The feeling of serving someone is ten times better than than receiving a gift from someone. So I think you know continuing to be um, not casual and careful about our studying of the gospel or whatever that is in life. Elijah, another thing that you do on a regular basis that I've been really impressed with is you frequently share religious quotes on Twitter. Why is that important to you? And why have you done it so diligently? I think for me, I've, I've been put in this position for my platform to bring others into Christ. I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't mature enough to serve a mission when it was my time to serve. So I like to use my platform to now as my mission. So if I can just, when I'm doing my reading in the morning, just copy and paste what I thought was very inspiring to me and share it to someone. And hopefully if it helps someone, then I've kind of, I'm kind of doing my part in a sense. I feel like I'm making up for the time that I didn't serve my mission. And that's the same feeling I feel when it's, uh, you know, fast and testimony, meaning like if I don't get up, then I feel like I'm being selfish, you know? Elijah, when we talk about the gospel and, you know, you mentioned feeling like you weren't mature enough at the time, but now you have been, you know, committed for a a number of years and the gospel clearly means a ton to you. How would you say that committing to be a religious person and live a religious life and study your scriptures, all of those things... How has that changed you and changed your life? I think it's all about perspective. I think when you look through the lens of the gospel and live your life with the gospel, your perspective change. You know, if someone cuts you off, obviously there's times I still get mad if someone cuts me off. But when I'm living the gospel the right way, I look at things through a different lens and it allows me to see the bigger picture. You know, maybe that person who stole whatever it was, my headphones or or camera, maybe they needed it more, you know, you, you gain this different picture as, and you try to become, you know, more like Christ each and every single day. Elijah, you're, you've had kind of a unique experience. And I alluded to this earlier that your teammate, Sam Merrill is also a member of the church and was drafted by the Bucks out of Utah state. What have you learned from Sam about the way to carry yourself as a Latter-day Saint? playing in the NBA? Yeah, I think, you mean, no matter who you are in this world, you're going to have, you know, the adversary test you and just having someone that's already kind of known the ropes in a NBA season, being able to help me and guide me and uh, show me the ropes of, you know, what to stay clear from or where we can go to church or when we can go to church or picking me up from church has definitely uh, been a great example to me. Do your teammates, do they know that you both belong to the same church? Yes. Yeah, so it's not, it's, there's actually four of us on the team this year. It was me, Sam, Wiz, the uh, weight coach, and Craig, uh, the sports psychologist. So they always ask the, the normal questions. You guys don't drink or 
you guys don't drink coffee? You guys don't gamble? Like, what do you guys do for fun? Like, they always, <laughs> they always ask those questions. And it's kind of funny listening to their perspective. Because again, I mean, everything's about perspective. You know, what's what's fun to us might be not be fun to them because we're looking through a different, different lens. Absolutely. I also wondered, having played in the NBA as well as having played overseas, are there different challenges in terms of keeping your standards as a member of the church here in the United States versus over in Israel? I mean, I think no matter where you go, there's going to be the adversaries and try to find a way to, you know, make you make mistakes in your life. But I would feel like it's easier to, you know, make a mistake in a, in America where you know everything compared to let's say Europe where half the time you don't know what they're saying. For sure. I wondered as I read and, and watched some of your YouTube videos, it's clear that your wife is a huge part of your life and you are not only a husband, but a father. How has that changed your priorities and your perspective on life? And actually, before you get to that, I, I'd love to know how you and your wife met. Did you just meet at BYU? Yeah. So she went to UBU. I went to, uh, BYU and it was actually my red shirt year. And there's actually a video on our, on our YouTube page where we <laughs> kind of reenact it. But she, <laughs> uh, she, she, uh, she threw a party for a friend and I came, I actually came with the girl I was dating at the time. And when I first saw her and I, I just knew like, if I had the chance, I would be lucky to marry this girl. So I did everything in my power to, you know, tie her down. And eventually, you know, I tied her down and the rest is history. <laughs> Amazing. So how would you say that, that being a husband and a father, especially in the unique situation that you're in playing a professional sport, how can you see like perhaps that your priorities and your perspective might be a little bit different than somebody that is not married and trying to raise a kid? Yeah. Like, uh, going back against the perspective, I mean, when I'm done, I want to look back and say, you know, I created a legacy for my family, financial freedom, whatever that is. So, you know, I'm not the guy that's, you know, going out. I'd rather go home, help out uh, in the house, you know, help out with Blue, uh, give Janelle a break or, you know, just spend more time with my family, understanding that when I'm on the road, I don't I'm not allowed. I'm not able to to be with them compared to, you know, other guys and I like to go out, which is fine, you know, but I, I'm just on a. I would say I'm a 26 year old, but I'm like mentally probably 35, 40. That's what my brother always tells me. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah. Elijah, I so appreciate you taking the time and for sharing some of these experiences that you've had. What does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I think to be all in is just, you know, the same thing. Well, like Becky says, we can't be casual in our everyday doings with the gospel, whether that means reading your scriptures, going to the temple. I think it's really easy to not choose the harder right, I know. But being all in for me was just would really be choosing the harder right, even when you know the easier wrong would be easy easier wrong would be, you know, less painful. Absolutely. Well, Elijah, I so appreciate your time and your willingness to do this interview and we'll be rooting for you next year. 
Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. A big thank you to Elijah Bryant for joining us on this episode. And thanks, as always, to Derek Campbell of Mix It Six Studios for making us sound good. We'll look forward to being with you again next Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening.